This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Hi, those of you listening to the free feed, uh, we're going to have a great show today. Yuri Geller is going to take us through his museum in Jaffa and tell us about a lot of the things in it. It's a really lovely show, and I know you're going to enjoy spending some time with Yuri in this remarkable museum he's created about his his truly remarkable life. Uh, before we start, though, I would like to remind you of the importance of subscribing to unknowncountry.com and of getting into the Whitley Strieber material. Uh, my book, Them, is out in paperback, hardcover, as a Kindle, and as an audiobook, all available on Amazon. The audiobook is available as well on Audible and on Apple Books. So please do get involved and because I need you, as I say so often, and it's quite true. I really do. And because I, this is all I have, basically. And if you want this extraordinary material to continue coming, you have to step up. So step up. And anyway, thank you very much for coming to this funny, funny party that we've been having here in this website on unknowncountry.com for so many years. It's a strange one, this life, but wow, what a trip it is. What a trip. Now let's enjoy some time with Yuri in his museum. This is something that you're not going to see too many other places, if any. But today, folks, for the first time since 2014, Yuri Geller is back with us. I think he needs no introduction. We're going to spend the time going through his museum, which is a remarkable museum. He's going to tell us all about it. He leads tours in it personally, and we're going to learn an awful lot going through his museum. If you're on the audio feed and would like to also see this, well, go to YouTube uh, and the W Streamer, and you can find it and watch it on YouTube as well. Or you can simply click, click through from unknown country on the video. But I think we'll be able to you'll be able to enjoy it on audio as well. Welcome to the show, Yuri. Hey, thank you very much, Whitley. And yes, I am in my museum in Old Jaffa. Old Jaffa is kind of adjacent next to Tel Aviv. And of course, you all know Israel is the Holy Land. Um, I'm only about, what, 45 minutes drive uh, from Jerusalem, where Jesus walked you know, in Via, on Via de la Rosa. And um, this is really an incredible place, not because it's my museum, but it's stunning. I mean, I'll, I'll turn the camera a little so you can see. Um, you can steer around. First, I'll start even with the ceiling. You see these, the ceilings were full with concrete and plaster. And I had here two years scaffoldings, Whitley, and workers hammered out with little chisels and little hammers. They exposed the stone the way this building looked a hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And of course, the centerpiece of course, is my Cadillac. And <laughs> oh, and the spoons. That's such a great thing. I mean, this Cadillac has 2,600 spoons on, and all the spoons are really famous people, even the Queen, uh, Prince Philip, James Dean, Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, I will just read you. Uh, I've got two lists here on the wall, but Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, uh, Yaakov Agam, Buzz Aldrin, Mohammed El Fayed, Dodi El Fayed, Muhammad Ali, um, Robert Altman, Gillian Anderson, Chris Angel, Yasser Arafat, Jane Austen, Charles Aznavour, Lauren Bacall, I've got Kennedy, Clint Eastwood. I mean, the list goes on and on and on because you see Whitley for. 55 years, I collected these incredibly rare and unique spoons from people who I met. Some spoons I bought in auctions, but it's 
unbelievable. And then the Museum of Israel, well, first of all, let me give you the little history. I think everybody is interested in this. I bought the Cadillac in 1976 in New York. I think the place was called Potamkin, New York. And you, know why, and you know why I bought the Cadillac? Simply because I wanted to show off. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, was, I was so shallow in the 70s. I wanted to show my friends in Israel, hey, Uri Geller made it. So I, I, bought, I bought this huge thing, but of, of course without the spoons. And if you can see down there, this is how the Cadillac looked without the spoons. And um, Museum of Israel in Israel, uh, sorry, Museum of Israel in Jerusalem happens to be one of the most important museums around the world. So they saw a photo once I riveted the, the spoons on the car and they begged me to donate the car. I said, no way, but I will loan you the car. So I loaned the car to the Museum of Israel in Jerusalem. Whitley stood there for two years, bringing millions of people, even King Hussein of Jordan, he wanted to see the car and he got permission to fly his huge jet over the Cadillac. By the way, up there, you will see, let me get it there. That's the poster of the Museum of Israel. And, you know, I'm really proud of that, although it stood in many other museums, but that is a very important. Now, another surprise. Because I bought this Cadillac in 1976, actually, I also met Stan Lee in 1976. Ah, wow. Now, I freaked Stanley out. Of course, I don't have to tell you that he's a creator of Marvel Comics. Of course, I think everyone knows that. And this is signed here. And he was so amazed by my spoon bending that he actually put me on the cover of Daredevil. Here I am. Yeah, well, wonderful. That's great. I know, I know I'm kind of boasting, but I think I'm the only living person on the cover of Daredevil. You can actually see it up here. Let me see if I can tilt the camera. There is, you see the poster is right yeah, there. Yeah, we can sort of see it. Yeah. Anyhow, so it's an incredibly eclectic museum. Let me explain you why. Over here, let me get the camera. I, I don't think you if you ever did a show of this nature. No. Are, <laughs> so there's always a first time. Uh, let me see. The, these stones are 3,200 years old. They are, they are with hieroglyphics and they belonged to Ramses II's fort. Now, these stones um, were in the, they're, they're called jam stones. They're, they're on the left and the right of the entrance, kind of giving him respect. You know, uh, Pharaoh, um, Ramses II was one of the most important pharaohs in Egypt. We're going back 3,500 years. If the, these stones stood in the Museum of Israel, but because Ramses II's fort was in old Jaffa, they gave me the stones. Uh, and when I say they gave me the stones, it's the Israeli Antiquity Authority. They're the one that govern on all the antiquities in Israel. Now, why, Shippi, can you help me with the chairs here? Why is this museum so eclectic in nature? Let me just move the tripod. Because three and a half meters away from Ramses II, I've got Mick Jagger's guitar, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> wow. I've so, got to get it in, in, in. Where is there it? it? There it is. Um, there it is. There it is. There it is. And all the Rolling Stones signed it. And on, next to it is another guitar to all those uh, kind of my group age. You all remember Justin Hayward and the Moody Blues and Knights in White Satin. So oh, wow, that does me take that. me back, boy. Yeah, he gave me that guitar. Now, the things that we'll talk about a little, look at this. What is this? Oh, That's no, Edgar's. Edgar's. That's Edgar's. Oh, my God. How marvelous. 
There. And it goes all the way down. <laughs> oh, where did he wear and, that? Um, yeah, Ed gave me this crystal here, and this was in his pocket. Um, this is going to be difficult to show. While he was walking on the moon, it's a tiny rock crystal. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah. Now let's continue. I love Edgar. He was a dear friend. Oh, he's he was amazing. I mean, look, yeah. these are pictures. Uh, me and him. Uh, this is a day I met him in Palo Alto. We befriended each other. And this is fascinating because on this wall, um, there is a photo of Ed Mitchell with a group of Israelis. And somebody found that on eBay in France. And I said, hang on, why would Ed Mitchell be with a group of um, Israelis who worked in airport security? Well, they invited Ed Mitchell to a conference and Ed signed that brochure and I found it on eBay. Uh, wow. So, wow. <laughs> it's a um, very interesting museum, Yuri. It's wonderful. Uh, this is uh, David Bowie's wall. Um, very quickly, um, I always thought that David Bowie was born with one blue eye and one gray eye. And when tourists come here, I always tell the story. One day, our chief of staff arrives with all his generals. You know, chief of staff is a top. top right, guy. I know, the, the top yeah. guy in the military. Yes, and I tell the story about David Bowie, born with one blue eye and one gray eye. And he, he gets up and says, wait, wait, Uri, um, let me stop you. Let me correct you. David Bowie was not born with a blue eye. What happened when he was a teenager, his friend smacked him in the eye and he turned blue. Oh, I see. So I was shocked that, I, that the, our chief of staff in Israel knows more about David Bowie than me. And <laughs> well, lastly, that doesn't surprise me. Israeli military and Israeli intelligence tend to know a lot about a lot of things. It's unexpected. Now I, we're in I, he was in my first movie, I mean, my second movie, The, the Hunger, but unfortunately, I never met him. I met his co-star. Really? Yeah. He, but he did a wonderful job in that movie, and I've always loved his work. So it's exciting to see this here. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing. Now, here is that amazing wall of John Lennon, and this is unbelievable because this is John and me. We're very close friends. He didn't like his glasses. But this drawing is John Lennon's uh, own handwork. Uh, it's a drawing that he did with a pencil. And above the face of his a, a, a lady, a girlfriend, probably, uh -huh. not Yoko, there is a UFO. He drew a UFO. Wow. And, this, and this is that item that John Lennon claimed that he got from an extraterrestrial while he was lying in bed in the Dakota building. Wow. Unbelievable. It's extraordinary. And you've ended up with it. That's marvelous. What a cool thing yeah. to have. Uh, uh, it, the, the list goes on and on. This is an amazing horse made by a British sculptor. Um, and, and, he, the, his name is James Doran Webb and he lives in the Philippines. But what makes this incredible horse um, uh, was so wondrous is because it's made from driftwood, which means after an earthquake, sometimes there's tsunami. You know, the wave comes in, people drown, and that same wave goes back into the ocean, pulling with itself drowned people, houses, trees, cars. So this is a horse made from driftwood after the tsunami. It's huge. It's life-size. My God. Do you want to be... It's beautiful. For in a moment... Those of you who are listening, it's a marvelous, it's like a sculpture made of, I guess, of driftwood. And uh, it's beautiful. But go yeah. ahead. Okay, look, this is controversial, but I don't care. I've known Donald Trump. I met him 50 years ago. And... Um, let me get that. You see his cap signed. 
Yeah. Make America great. Donald oh. Trump's cap. <laughs> I want to believe that I found four strands of his hair in there. I've got his DNA. No, my gosh. I wonder if he, if he likes that idea. Uh, what else do you want to know, um, Whitley? Well, I mean, uh, we could, uh, if, if, is there anything else that you'd like to go through in the museum? Because if not, uh, I would love to talk a little bit with you about things that people are forgetting about over the years uh, about you, uh, specifically how this all started, where the energy came from, and what that means to you now, that kind of thing. And your okay. relationship with Hal Pudoff, who is also a dear friend yes. of mine. Okay, I'll answer that question. I'll take you to the a wall where it all started. I'll, I have a painting, but this is my first car. It's a real car. It's a real beetle on the wall. Oh That's my gosh. Volkswagen. I had a friend who had one of those. It blew up, of course, but... Really? Um, and down well. there, I've got Princess Diana's carpet. This is an album that I designed, sadly. This is the last album that Michael Jackson uh, came out with called Invincible. I designed that album for him. Um, and I also have a drawing in Invincible. These are incredible because these are witches' balls. Uh, witches believed that they, these are about 400 years old, Whitley. And I've not met one person who knew what these were. They were in my house for 50 years. And this is my island. I, you can't see the island. It's in a photo. Lamb Island. Yeah. Lamb uh, Island. It, well, first of all, tell us about the balls and where you got them and what they are, are believed to be, what you believe okay. them to be. 400 years ago, Whitley, you know, there were witches. Yes. And witches believed that if they order a glass sphere from a glass blower, yes, and inside each sphere, they, uh, uh, the glass blower places a glass spiral, the witches believed that if they hung these in their homes, this ball, the glass ball will ward off the evil eye. And if there's any negative energy that comes into their home, this glass ball absorbs it. Not one person, while this was in my house for 50 years, not one person ever knew what these were. A lot of people tell me it's Christmas decorations. Well, I tell them, no, it's not. But these witches' balls actually started Christmas decorations. Wow. And, and if you didn't know, they, I mean, everybody knows that they used to murder witches. They used yes. to beat them to death. They hung yes. them. They burnt them to death. And that's why I bought part of the reason I bought my lamp island, which is down there in the, in the photograph. There it is. You can see it. Yes. Is because the rumor is that these four witches that were beaten to death are actually buried on my island. Tell us how people can participate in the Lamb Island project and what it is. Okay. I bought Lamb Island 15 years ago. It's very near Edinburgh. It's a very mystical, I mean, it has ley lines that go to Rosalind Chapel, uh, to Jerusalem, to Egypt, to the pyramids. It's riddled in mystery and um, uh, theology and archaeology, you name it. On my website, you, you can read, there is a major story written about my Lamb Island by the BBC in London. Now, I bought the island about 14 years ago. And five months ago, recently, I turned my island into a country. It's a micronation. So I have an anthem. I have a constitution. I have a flag, which is right down there on the floor. And it's also on, on the top of my museum. And I have a, a football team, a soccer team. Now, because it's a country, you can all become citizens like Whitley. All you have <laughs> like to me. do. Like me. I am a citizen of Lamb Island. That's yeah. right. All you, let me show you the, how the certificate looks. All you have to do, get on my website, which is urigeller.com, and it will cost you $1 to become a citizen. The dollar goes to a children's charity 
called Save a Child's Heart. We have already so far saved 7,000 children with open heart surgery. The surgeons don't take money for the operations. Half of them, by the way, um, are Palestinian children. Once you pay the dollar, this is what you type out. This is what comes out. And this is right. what Whitley has. That's right. And your name, yeah, your name comes out automatically and you become um, a citizen of Lamb Island. You can't live on the island because it's basically a, 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 a nesting, uh, it's a, an island for birds who nest. And when I bought the island, I automatically became the owner of 150,000 seagulls and 50,000 puffins. But please, <laughs> please, please become citizens because you're helping sick kids. The children come from all over the world, 68 countries. Uh, really, uh, it's an incredible it's a wonderful. Charity. It's a wonderful yeah. charity because so many children have, are born with heart defects and don't have access to the kind of med medicine that we are so used to in the developed yeah. world. And Yuri is gathering these children and fixing their hearts, giving them life. And for a dollar, it's very well worth participating in Lamb Island. Yeah. Now we are uh, coming to the wall that demonstrates with a painting how it all started. So um, besides the Marvel comics and Andy Warhol and Salvador Dali and Muhammad Ali, uh, these are, by the way, Houdini's handcuffs on the wall. <laughs> wow. Um, and this is, oh, I've got to tell you, Elvis Presley, this is, this is a must before we get into the UFOs. Of course, this is Elvis. Now, this is an unbelievable story. Elvis Presley dies and they put him in a coffin. There he is. Outside, this is a National Enquirer. Outside, there are thousands and thousands of people lined up to say goodbye to him. Now, you didn't know this, but Elvis Presley had a hairstylist, and believe it or not, he's a Jewish guy called Larry Geller, like my name. Uh -huh. There is Larry, there is Larry and Elvis. Okay. Before they opened the doors, to allow people to pass by Elvis Presley's coffin to say goodbye to him, Larry Geller stands right next to the coffin. He looks at Elvis's face and he gets a shock. What Larry sees is that all of Elvis Presley's hairline, the roots of his hair, turned white, you know, because Elvis dyed his hair in black. Yes. Larry, Larry says, oh my God, I cannot allow the people to see this. So what he does, he walks over to the other side of the coffin where a policewoman is standing and he asks the policewoman, by any chance, my dear, by any chance, do you have mascara in your bag? you know, remail what women use to color their eyelashes. And the policewoman says, yes. And Larry Geller with that long brush colors Elvis Presley's hair by hair. Look, I don't know how long it took a Larry to do this. I assume over an hour, but Larry Geller was the last person to touch Elvis Presley. Now, when this, when this National Enquirer comes out, well, it's a pretty macabre photo. So it sells hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions. And through sheer coincidence, in the same issue of the National Enquirer, there was a full page story about me and my mother. How strange is that? Those synchronicities are, well, our life is not accidental, it's woven, and people must understand life is a weave. Yeah. yeah. So you asked me how it all started. Okay. First of all, I'm a huge believer in UFOs, in extraterrestrials. No doubt we're being visited. All these 
uh, cockpit films that come from the Pentagon. Maybe they're not, they're not aliens in these crafts, but they're definitely probes that aliens are sending. This is an amazing uh, oil painting that somebody by the name of Pelos 55 years ago painted for me. And what it, it's very interesting because, Whitley, there are little babies in here. So it's either Pelos meant that the UFO is taking a life from Earth away to seed other planets, or maybe this is billions of years ago, um, we are star children and we are being um, injected or transported to planet Earth. That's our Earth. Well, you know, course, just, to, just to stop you for a moment, there's something I'm working on right now that I can't go into in any detail that definitely involves aliens or apparent aliens and babies. Uh, and uh, everyone will know all about it soon. It's not, it's not going to be a secret, but it's not finished yet. The work isn't finished yet. So it's strange first, you would bring that up now. Yeah. Well, you are the first person ever, ever, never, I never told the story of the painting, never. This was in my house for 55 years. I, you know, people see a UFO, that's where it stops. But you're the first person that I, this is my theory, that that's what it is. And of course, I, I put a little alien holding a bent spoon. Right. The, <laughs> and right next to this painting is this photograph of a painting. And the reason I have a photograph is because the original painting is still in my container and my containers are not totally open yet. But this was painted for me too. This is me. Um, this is apparently an alien. This is what I, I didn't actually see this. I saw more a sphere of light and it's zapping me. And I'm about five or six years old here, here in Tel Aviv. Um, flight of a bird, um, maybe two and a half, three kilometers from here. I was playing in an Arabic garden. I heard kittens cry. I was looking for them. And suddenly I see this enormous sphere of light. It's strobing. And out of the sphere of light emanates a ray, it, almost like a laser beam, hits my forehead. It was so tangible. And it's so powerful that it pushed me into the grass. I don't know how long I lay there, but when I ran home to tell my mother, she didn't believe me. She thought that I was making up the story or I was just dreaming it. Now, because this was so real, so tangibly real, I, I mean, it, this was not a dream that whenever I wrote my books, um, my stories, television, newspapers, radio, I always tell the story. And I know that it happened. Now, for over, what, 50, almost 60 years, I had no validation. I had no witnesses. One day, a BBC documentary is being filmed. By the way, uh, Whitley, am I looking into the camera? Yeah, that's the, the camera is right Yeah, here, you are. Right? You're, you're absolutely looking so, right into the camera. You're doing so, um, so uh, there is a documentary about me in Israel by the BBC in which I'm telling this story that this ray beam of light hit me and it came from a huge sphere of light. One day I get an email from a retired Air Force officer in Israel, a retired older man. And he says to me, Uri, you will not believe this. I just saw this BBC documentary in which you're telling this encounter in this Arabic garden next to your apartment building. Well, I want to tell you, I was there. I saw it. Well, I freaked out. So I put, you know, picked up the phone and called him. And what he told me, Whitley, he was a young soldier. I think he was already an officer. He was walking on Rothschild Boulevard towards his apartment where his parents lived. 
And out of the corner of his eye, he looks at this Arabic garden and he sees a child, five or six, black hair, wearing a white shirt. And he, he describes this enormous light. And he says, the boy was running towards his apartment and this sphere of light followed him, exploded on the facade of the building, leaving a darkish residue. Wow. You know, Whitley, you can imagine this was a validation of my story. Of course. And then, and then I filmed him. We, I, I mean, I, we did another documentary. It's actually on my website. It's called Being Uri Geller. If you get on, on my website, urigeller.com, and you scroll down to TV, click on TV, and then click on documentaries. There's even a documentary directed by Simon Cowell. There is another one by an Oscar-winning director um, called, um, um, what's his name, Shippy? Um, anyhow, um, but this one is called Vikram Jayanti. That's the Oscar-winning director. He directed a documentary for the BBC about me called the BBC, the Secret Life of Ori Geller. This one with the officer telling this story is called Being Ori Geller. So what did you actually want to know? What did I want to know? You just told me just about everything I was thinking about asking about <laughs> the early days. Um, I, I'd like to also uh, talk to you a little bit about your days with Hal Putoff and the SRI group, and uh, we might also touch on the the controversy, yes, fake controversy that was generated uh, by. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I forget it? the man's name. That that guy that. Uh, uh, wait, wait, wait! I'll, let me let me stop you because this is synchronicity again. There was a guy, a magician, and a Canadian magician. God bless him. He's not alive anymore. Called James Randi, and he for decades tried to debunk me. I mean, it was, I would tell you, he went on. But he, what he didn't understand is, uh, he didn't know that he was giving me the best PR in the world. He was yeah. like my unpaid publicist. And just recently, we find that the CIA released a letter from Hal Putoff and Russell Tug debunking James Randi's theories about how I did the experiments at Stanford Research Institute. I'm going to send that to you. I don't, I, I think I did. Yeah, you it, did send it to me, Yuri. And yeah. uh, that was why I brought this up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, uh, because uh, the letter goes into great detail, folks, about just what was done. And we can give you, a, well, I'll give you a link to it on the show so that you can read it. And uh, it, it, it really does put the lie to uh, James Wingle. His name was real name was James Wingle. He called himself James Randy for personal reasons uh, that I won't go into, but do know. And they're not pleasant. In yeah. any don't, case, don't, don't go there. No, no, don't I won't go there. there. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, the letter very carefully and thoroughly goes through exactly what they did at SRI and why Mr. Zwingle's assertions about it cannot be true. Yeah. That's essentially now, correct. Now, but I, you know, Whitley, for, for years, if you give me the Geller, um, bend it like Geller, you know, for years and years, um, I, I was always controversial. And um, it's, it's under there, you'll see it under... I'm going to show you a book that just came out. It's a magic book, yes? Yeah. But, but interestingly, the person who wrote this book, and it's called, it's basically called Bend It. Like Geller. Like Geller. Now, this like, guy like wrote Bend It Like book. Beckham. Okay. Bend It <laughs> exactly. Like Geller. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Gosh, tell me, Whitley, is there something that you don't know? <laughs> You know everything, Beckham. My goodness, <laughs> I have, I have, I have a good memory, Yuri. It's been a blessing, one of the great blessings of my life. You're amazing. The fact that you remembered "Bend It Like Beckham," and now this <laughs> book is called "Bend It Like Geller." But anyhow, it's a magic book. It's for magicians. But the man who wrote it is a guy called Ben Harris, and he, like James Randi, in the beginning of my career, 
1974, he uh, tried to debunk me and confront me. And later on, because I'm a nice guy and Ben Harris is a nice guy, we became friends. And he, he wrote this book. It's basically a, it's basically a long love letter for Uri Geller. And, <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, the, the, the lies that were uh, told and said about me uh, were horrendous. Um, I, I tried to sue, but then I thought, no. It's hopeless. Um, uh, uh, yeah, but, but the, in the bigger scale of things, you must understand, Whitley, that this, with the controversy was good for me. It was started in Johnny Carson. Johnny, right, I know it. Wow. And his spoon bending on Johnny Carson was also not successful. It was yeah, obvious. Uh, yeah. So the controversy um, continues, but now um, the media don't they don't really know what to call me. Some call me an illusionist. Some call me a psychic. Some call me a, a mystifier. Um, but I, I really don't mind. You know why? As long as they spell my name correctly, Will Whitley. Thank you very much. Right. Yuri, tell us about the experience with uh, Benjamin Net Netanyahu in the restaurant. Oh, this is amazing. You, you have to put that video on too. Okay, I will. So, you know, first of all, to those who don't recall the name, Benjamin uh, Netanyahu is our prime minister. He's, he's now sitting prime minister. But may, I, I've known him for like, I mean, I've known him for over 50 years when he was still in the commando unit. By the way, his, his brother, uh, Jonathan um, Netanyahu died and was killed in the raid to Antebi Airport. If you remember. Yeah, I remember that raid. Hijacked the plane. By the way, talking about a plane, this plane above you. Yeah, see it? I can see it. This is a Libyan airline. And guess who I got it from? Who? Muammar Gaddafi. Oh, wow. Unbelievable story. This is unbelievable story. If we have time and you will allow me, I'll tell you this story. But um, one day I went to a restaurant up north. He always goes to charity events. And, and we walked into a restaurant. And um, the table that we we're standing next to while the guards, the bodyguards were fixing that the table for us because, you know, he's being guarded all the time, secret service, but, you know, like in America. Um, somebody asks me uh, to bend the spoon. And I say, um, I can't bend the spoon now. I'm with the prime minister, but uh, maybe later. And uh, Bibi, we, they, you know, they call him Bibi. Right, Bibi yeah. Bibi says to me, come on, Ori, but you can bend the spoon for him. And then I say to Bibi, you know what? Why don't you and I focus on the entire restaurant and let's try to bend all the spoons on the tables. Now, listen, Whitley, lo and behold, the spoons and forks on people's tables, I would say there were about 13 or 14 tables there in that restaurant, started bending in front of our, our eyes and the people who were sitting next to the tables. People were freaking out. Oh, I mean, we, we were not touching anything. It was, I mean, uh, that's it. That's, that's what happened there. And that's a, it's an extraordinary and quite true story. And so it tells us that, and this is what Yuri's whole life is about, folks. It's about empowering you and the ones who try to he is he let let's look at this it this way yuri is a levitator that's what the spoon bending represents symbolically a, an ability on the part of human beings that we don't recognize that we possess and all of these debunkers are trying to pull him down and, and say no no that we don't want to go there we don't want to do that but you know, we do. We want yeah. to all accept the presence of this power within us. And that is, in my opinion, what your life is about, to tell us, yes, yeah. you have this. 
I'll tell you what, Whitley, the most, the best proof, there are two, well, with Benjamin Netanyahu, it was, you know, you can't, it's scientifically, you can't really go there, but I have to show you something. So I'll move around and I'll tell you, there are two, two or three things uh, that happened in my life that to me is solid proof. And let me tell you, um, the, the very powerful demonstration of telepathy was when I was in Palo Alto being tested by Hal Putoff and Russell Targ, there was a, a CIA agent who you know in Langley, Virginia, whose name is Kit Green. Am I yeah, correct? Yeah, I know Kit you know? well. Yeah. Chippy, can you help me to put the tripod up here? Anyhow, so they told Kit Green that I can do telepathy and see things from afar. And Kit says, no, he can't. And then they put him on the phone. Remember, we're talking about 1973, no internet, uh, no, no iPhones, no, right. I mean, no FaceTime. Let me just bring this here. Right, Richard. Yeah. So um, Kit uh, uh, says to me, and I'm in Palo Alto, yes, and Kit Green is in Langley, Virginia. So how many miles is the coast, uh, coast to coast, uh, Whitley? Well, about... Uh somewhere under two just under 2000 miles with a significant okay. difference so we are in 2000 miles apart the phones are black phones and he says to me <clears throat> well worry if you can see things from afar what am i holding in my hand and so i took a pencil and i started scribbling i threw paper away and then finally i got um a, a draw i drew a, a, something that looked like scrambled eggs but above this scrambled eggs, I saw the letters, the word architectural, and I wrote it on my paper, scrambled eggs drawing and the word architecture. Anyhow, weeks go by and Kit Green gets my drawing from Palo Alto. And he, I think he kind of freaked out because what he was holding in his hand was a book about, you know, Gray's anatomy and anatomy. And he had it open on a page of a cut brain that looked like scrambled eggs. But Kit Green himself wrote on the page of the book above the brain, the word architectural. Well, amazing. So that, that's one very powerful proof. Next, the second one. In this room here, I've got footballs signed for me by Messi, Ronaldo, Pele. Uh, the basketball there is Kobe Bryant with the original net that the Lakers played uh, against New York Knicks. Lots of football signed. Uh, when I say football, I mean soccer. Yeah, yeah I, I have, understand that, I, even though I'm an American. I have Maradona's shirt and so Anyhow, in Euro 96, England were a bit concerned about a match against Scotland that had, uh, was to be played in Wembley. The, Wembley is a great, a huge um, stadium, you know, in London. So they got me and they said to me, look, Uri, if we put you in a helicopter and you fly around Wembley, can you influence the match so we make sure that we beat Scotland? Now, <laughs> listen, uh, England usually is always better than Scotland, but I don't know, they had a fear. So I said, okay, let's do it. Um, I get some paraphernalia of some very big name British soccer players in my hand for good luck, you know, for psychometry. Um, right. And we start flying around Wembley. Now, I could hardly see the players because out of the window of the helicopter it was very small, but in my headphones, I heard the match. Suddenly I hear that the main Scottish striker, whose name is Gary McAllister, gets a penalty. So he puts the ball down against England, penalty against England. And I scream in the helicopter while he's running towards the ball. One, two, three, move. I visualize the ball moving. Whitley, lo and behold, the ball moves away 
from his foot. He kicks the ball. The goalkeeper catches and and he missed the goal. I mean, (laughs) now because this was a major match, this was filmed by dozens. So um, I'll send you the footage of that ball moving. And Gary McAllister says himself, listen, I put down the ball and that ball moved. And I missed the penalty because the ball moved. So this was to me a kind (laughs) of... Proof, a and, and yet it's still safe for you to go to Scotland. <laughs> well, well, wait. Part of the reason that I bought Lamb Island is to ask forgiveness from Scottish <laughs> people. Because after that ball moved, I received eleven thousand hate letters from Scotland. Of course you did. I'm surprised you see received so few. <laughs> Oh, yeah. gosh, what a great story, Yuri. One thing yeah. about Yuri Geller, folks, is you you got a lot of good, good, good stories. Really do. And, Thank you. You know, and I always think to myself that we have these hidden powers. Yes. We have these hidden powers that we deny. And for whatever reason, that energy that entered you told you, don't deny them spread them, celebrate them. Your whole life has been a celebration of hidden powers. And it's remarkable, a remarkable life. It really is. You You know, uh, the sign, the symbol behind me, um, I, I, you know, I I painted together with uh, Salvador Dali. I I worked with Dali for two years. Right. And this this has an amazing meaning. It's on the facade of my museum. But um, there is a UFO here, if you look there, right. and there is a and there is eleven eleven. Everything that my symbol has uh, a, a incredible meaning. <laughs> what I would very very much like um, your viewers and your listeners, um, I I came up with two books. They are published by a British publisher. One is called Use Read It Use Your Psychic Powers to Have It All. It's a right. it's a fantastic book. And the other one is learn how to douse. And that's, of course, use the world's most powerful search engine, which is your intuition. Right. So, and you know, you, do, you, you are noted for being an extraordinary dowser. Well, I found, you know, I can't take you all over the museum, but downstairs, I show my Mexican corner. I'm a Mexican citizen, Whitley. Yeah, I'm in Israel, born in Israel. And the reason I got a Mexican passport is because I found oil for Pemex. Pemex is a Mexican national oil company. Right. And the president of Mexico, Lopez Portillo, honored me a Mexican citizenship. So I doused, I was with the American army in uh, South Korea looking for tunnels that were dug by North Korea. I've done so many things for NASA, for MI5, MI6, Mossad, CIA. I mean, it's just incredible. And I never, I, I was never paid for this because I do it for ideological reasons. But my life is really interesting. And I think that if you watch The Secret Life of Uri Geller, which was directed by Vikram Jayanti, who is an Oscar-winning director, uh, he won an Oscar for a documentary he did on Muhammad Ali. I think you will be fascinated, and that's free on my website. Yeah, we'll be sure that all, that there's plenty of access to all of these uh, things on the show. And I would urge everybody to get Yuri's books because they are empowering, and that's the purpose of them. Uh, exactly, uh, and they they really do work. You, uh, especially using your psychic powers, is a powerful book. It's not difficult. And uh, all it takes is for you to learn to have a, a level of confidence in yourself and in your own powers that you have been taught from birth almost don't exist, yes. but they do and, exist. Um, the last thing, uh, because we're running out of time, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. The, my word, my past is the Uri Geller. 
I post every two days something amazing about UFOs. And I think you'll just enjoy following me. Um, you can always email me. You'll find my email address on my website. And you know, before we go sign off, you know what I'm standing on here? Um, I don't know if you can see this. It's a glass. Um, do, do, do. See if we Let can see it. It's, we can't quite see it yet. Tippy, can you help me with this? I'm asking my brother-in-law to okay. um, help me uh, turn the iPad down because what I'm standing on was not here when I bought the building. I doused and I did remote viewing and I told Shippy, that's my brother-in-law, say hi to him. I told him, Shippy, there's something under the stones here. Let's bring a big tractor to break the stones. But no, I had to get permission first from these guys, the Israeli antiquity authorities. They right. told me, Uri, if you, if you feel that there is something here, go ahead and break the stones. Shippy, can you just turn the iPad down to this circle? Um, hold on. Shippy is just doing... No, just turn it down. You'll be able to see. Go no, now go more. Go more. Bend, bend it. No, no, bend the, the legs. Okay. Now lift the legs up into the air. Okay, now watch this. Do you see this glass uh, structure here that I'm standing yes, on? Yes, we see it. Yeah, so this unbelievable, I discovered an ancient olive oil soap factory simply by remote viewing, by dousing. Um, and the, this is a, an olive oil soap factory that was operative hundreds and hundreds of years ago because Muslims did not buy soap from Europe because it was made from pig oil. So I discovered all along the museum, under the ground here, an ancient olive oil soap factory. That's it. Wow. Wonderful. Well, Yuri, thank you so much for being with us on Dreamland. And I'm sure everyone's going to love this marvelous show. And and if you if, when you go to Israel, do not miss this marvelous museum. And the, the museum has an excellent guide. This guide is a very special guide. He's called <laughs> Yuri Geller, and he will take you through it himself. Whitley, you're a beautiful man. I'm so happy that we are friends now. And a uh, big hug to you. A positive energy towards you. Positive energy to all your viewers and listeners actually use my the palm of my hand as a tool for your mind people touch the screen touch the ipads touch the computer think positive and last the last sentence tomorrow when you wake up put yourselves in an attitude of gratitude and do that every morning love you all thank Bye. you so much bye-bye You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.